Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation. Basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. All right, welcome. Thanks for joining us on the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon here, Thursday, February 20th. Um, lots going on, Aaron. There's been a lot of football news, a lot of basketball news. The Cats are one nine of the last 10, so lots to be thankful for. But before we get into the sports aspects of it, um, what's been going on with you, Aaron? What's your, uh, what's your good and your bad this week? Oh, man, uh, not much bad. So I'm going to st- I know I've, there's been so many wrinkles with it that I can use this one over again, but this Houston Astros stuff just gets worse and worse. And something about it pisses me off every day. And right now it's got to be. Uh, the commissioner kind of, I understand the whole, you know, they had to grant immunity to get the players to per- confess to what they did and all that, but you could do so many different things, whether it's stripping the title, whether it's a postseason ban, something to just really scare the daylights out of other teams from doing something like this again. So that would be my bad, but I'm the good. I mean, there's a lot of good going right now. And I'll say this, I feel like, in Kentucky, the last three weeks, there has been no sun. And yeah. the last two weeks, the sun has been out. And it's made me happy. <laughs> yeah, it was deceiving today, though. The sun was out. But, man, it was It was cold. cold. Yeah. But you know what? It just feels a little warmer knowing there's actually sun as opposed to freaking rain and all the BS weather we've had lately. For real. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, man, it's good to talk to you. I know I saw you a little bit Saturday at the Ole Miss game with a, a brutal shooting night for Kentucky, but it was nice. still nice to catch up. Um, win to win. So my world's pretty simple, man. I got a, a lot to be thankful for. Got a bonus at work. Yay, yay. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, I've been waiting on that, so that was good. Finally uh, I procured that. Uh, it's an annual thing, so that was Absolutely. nice, man. Really good week Congrats. for me. So nothing can get me down. I'm having to think hard about <laughs> a, uh, a bad thing, and I guess the – only thing I can really say is um, good and bad now. So kind of just making me think about how time flies. But Calvin, my son, I'll actually be one years old on Monday. We're having this party this that. week. So definitely a positive thing overall. But it has got me kind of like, you know, time flies. It was just oh what, gosh. man. Uh, so a year and a little bit ago that the two of us were covering our first NCAA yeah. tournament game. So, man. We were in Jacksonville and he was, what, three weeks old? And- yeah, yeah. So- <laughs> He's definitely oh, have man. a great story uh, road tripping to Jacksonville for a that? tournament game uh, at that age. Cool. But yeah, man, time flies. So I just been kind of hit with that this week. Like, damn, man, it's it's already <laughs> 2020. It's moving, but all good stuff, man. It's been an awesome year, and hopefully, we're going to be catching up on the NCAA tournament trail this year again. As Kentucky today kind of moved up everybody's lines as um, about a three seed, which you know I think everybody was happy with Aaron, but it's pretty much expected. I think with the way they've been playing, I mean, quietly winning nine out of the last ten, tough games on the road. They're showing up for every game, even the ones that they've slipped up on. So overall, man, this is shaping up to be like always a typical good run in the into the spring. Yeah, and no, I'm honestly, I'm I think. <laughs> Oh, a couple of weeks ago, I was probably on record saying, and I'll put my hand up saying, I don't think they're going to get higher than a four, just given the Evansville loss and given the Utah loss. Those are two really ugly ones in the net and the Ken Palm and all those. And 
obviously we know the math has a big say in seeding, but you know they've made up for it by winning a lot of games on the road. I know they lost to South Carolina, but you go and beat a pretty good LSU team. Texas Tech is a very good team. Obviously, the runners up from a year ago. You go down and beat them. Arkansas obviously has struggled, but at the time they were only, I think they were like 13 and 2, 13 and 1, and they were rolling. So that was a good win. Um, so they've kind of made up for it. And obviously, uh, the other element to it is, you know, no one's really great in college basketball this year, which has allowed other teams to slip up and Kentucky to take advantage of that and move up. So, um, like you said, all good. And for selfish reasons, if you look at where, um, the host cities are, for the three seed as compared to the four and five uh, for folks like us in Kentucky, not wanting to go to Sacramento or God's knows where to cover it. They are much closer to home and much easier. So I am thankful for that. So Kentucky, please stay at three, <laughs> you know, five games left and then the sec tournament, but I don't think they're going to drop many of these games. And I really don't I yeah. want to kind of recap the rest of the season, but I, I think that that three seed, is probably the most likely. I don't know that they're going to be able to work up to a two, but there, I still think that there's a chance for that. Um, if they were just a blow by the competition, I guess they'll have basically seven games left that'll be taken into consideration. And if, if they're just blowing teams out, which they haven't really done, I guess, but you know, if they're looking good, um, you know, I think a high three is in the realm of possibility. But at the same time, we know how this Kentucky team's been for some of these lighter games that haven't shown up. So if they were to have another bad loss, potentially, or not look great, you know, you, then you could be talking about one of those four or five ranges, which we know how those yeah. like five twelve matchups go and stuff like that. I mean, just right now I'm looking at a, this is the first bracket I've seen as Kentucky is a three. It's from USA Today. And Kentucky's the three playing Wright State as the fourteen in Cleveland. Uh then Colorado's the six and good old Indiana is the set eleven. So you gotta like you're sitting there and then the bottom of the bracket, you got BYU 7, Rhode Island 10, Florida State as the 2, Little Rock the 15, and then the number 1 in that bracket's Gonzaga, so West Bracket. I, I mean, I like that look. I think that's a – I know Florida State's a pretty good team, but outside of that, I mean, I'm never a big buyer into Gonzaga only because I think they have the talent. I just don't think their schedule prepares them for March like other teams do, so I, I just never buy them really and never pick them to go – to the final four, but I mean, just just looking at it as a three, you're probably going to avoid a team like West Virginia or Michigan State or Oregon that I, I don't think I want to play any of those teams in the second round or even potentially, you know, if Louisville continues to be streaky, they could end up a four or, or four or five or an Auburn. So those are not, none of those type of teams I want to play. So being a three would be... I mean, humongous. You, <laughs> I mean, they always say you want to be a top four seed. In my opinion, you really want to be a top three seed because that four and five is so close, and 12 is always seems to be the lucky number. So a 12 team can upset you just as much as a five can. So, yeah, a lot to like as a three. Wardy went on a Twitter rant today about kind of my disinterest for seeding, especially until we get kind of closer to the end of the finish line. Like the December, January stuff just drives me crazy. And really even now, Aaron, being February 20th, there's still so much I feel like that's left to change. Humans are the ones that are going to decide it. So, and to me, uh, I think you'll probably agree with this, Aaron, <laughs> but it's so much more important to me as someone who follows Kentucky that the way that they play is going to determine their run in the tournament or them getting knocked out early. 
just based off their performance of are they stepping up to the moment and playing the best versions of themselves i'm not so much worried about them getting you know yanked out of the tournament because they ran into a higher seeded team that they could have potentially avoided like does that make sense like if they're yeah. playing the way that they we they're capable of playing I don't think it's going to matter, but I, I will, though, bend a little bit on what I was saying about the fact that I, I 100% do agree with you, and a lot of people are making this point to me on Twitter, that there is a big difference between, you know, that three seed line and when you start dropping down to four, five, six, um, you know, not only historically, but obviously just the caliber team you're going to play. And even for a team like Kentucky that should have enough talent and does have enough talent to beat anybody, you know, that still matters. Oh, yeah. And then obviously geography um, which, you know, Kentucky have a lot of people anywhere. And sometimes I argue too, Aaron, that you can make, always make the case that as far as the team goes, you know, get away from distractions, you know, stuff like that. It can be good. But I think this team, the way that they're built, it would be, you know, staying home would benefit them. Like most Yeah, others. I agree with you. I don't think it really matters for them where they go, but I know for us it does, <laughs> but uh, it's up to them at the end of the day. But uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with both of your points. Actually, um, Dick, Gabriel, Billy, and I were talking on the BBI tonight that, you know, the, it, actually, we were talking about it off air, but the way they lose in the tournament isn't like you said. It's because they can match up with anybody. They can match up with Gonzaga, Dayton, Duke, all those teams. The question is, are they going to be consistent? Because this Kentucky team's painfully inconsistent, and they're also, they don't finish games well, and they don't start games very well. So if you have, Say you play a type of game like you do against Vanderbilt both times where Vanderbilt's hitting every freaking shot. They're just, you know, they're having, they're shooting, you know, they're having their day where a Bubba Parham type of guy is going off for 30 points. And Kentucky on the other end is off to a painfully slow start. Can't hit shots. That happened both times. You're only scoring, what, 28 in the first half. They're not going to survive that against the tournament caliber team. They can survive it against Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt's not that good. But if they have to do that against, you know, if they're four seed and have to play like a Butler type five, or even they're in the Sweet 16 playing like this projected bracket where they're the three and playing number two Florida State, you know, their season's over. Well, what about this theory, Aaron? So we just were talking the team struggles to get up for the lesser oh, opponents, yeah. right? We know that that's been proven this year. The big games under the lights, important opponent, they play up. They sure. play well. Maybe they need a loaded region. Maybe a loaded region is the best thing to keep them focused. And, you know, they're not looking to the Sweet 16 because they get a right state and, you know, you know somebody like that in the second round. So, yeah. It'll be interesting to see, but in order for them to, to get to the tournament, they're going to need some big play. And I'm sure that you and everybody else listening has probably heard of the new campaign for the University of Kentucky, which is picnic <laughs> for the SEC Player of the Year. But I guess you, you've seen all that, Aaron. It, it's been terrific. Yeah, today. I love it. That's probably TJ and Curtis, and we both know how talented those two guys are, especially our guy Curtis, who we love. But, yeah, I, it's hard to disagree, but, you know, I asked you this question on the BBI back on, I think it was on Wednesday. Where's Emmanuel quickly? Like, why is he not getting recognition, whether it's nationally, whether it's, you know, conference wide? I, I think he's getting it here, but he's not getting it the attention he deserves. And it's probably because, like you alluded to on the show, he's not showing up on the mock draft boards like Nick is starting to. And obviously, Tyrese has been there all year long. But if you look at the numbers, man, I mean, the year of man, and you don't even have to look at the numbers. Just look at what he's done since the 
cap since SEC play. He's had a he's had at least ten points in every SEC game, and there are games like the Ole Miss game where he just did not shoot well, and he still finishes with seventeen. I mean, it's just incredible what this guy's doing. But yeah, I think they need to be doing a campaign for him. But <laughs> I think that Nick is obviously a very good. I think the whole story of him, you know, he really. Let's be, he stunk the first two years he was here. He seemed like he was going to be a total bust, and he's been the best center in the league, uh, one of the better centers in the entire country, and he's kind of been what Kentucky's lacked the last two years, which is just a dominant big man that you can trust both on the offense and defensive side, and we saw what he was. I mean, that might have been the best defensive game he had all year against LSU on Tuesday, and I think no one was really paying attention to his offense, and he still scored like 14, so... Yeah, it, it's hard not to go against him, but I think Emmanuel deserves to be in that conversation and deserves his own little website or whatever UK is doing. Yeah, so anybody that hasn't seen or heard that yet, um, so the University of Kentucky running this campaign, so it's mostly audio-based. It's kind of, you know, a parody of all the election stuff going on right now. It's like he's a politician, yeah. but I got it teed up, so let's listen to uh, <laughs> to the Nick Richards campaign. American. He was born in Jamaica. He's an adopted son of the bluegrass at 17, just three years after he started playing basketball. He made the decision to join something great, the greatest tradition in the history of college basketball ever since. Nick Richards has served Kentucky. He ignored naysayers who said he had to be one and done. He believed in the process. He wanted to write his own story. Oh, ball went down. Hold on a second. <laughs> to me, he's the best big man in America. His record speaks for itself. A double-double machine. One of the country's best in-field goal percentage. Kentucky's leader in rebounds and blocks. He's someone you can always count on. How many guys have seven-footers that can do what that kid does? Not many. He's made a believer of a nation. A big blue nation. In Kentucky's push to the postseason. Junior Nick Richards gives me hope. Hope for a brighter tomorrow. <laughs> hope for March. Kentucky will go as far as Nick Richards can take. With determination, experience, and three years of hard work, Nick Richards has cemented himself as one of the best players in the country. Nick Richards is the big man America needs. Big <laughs> me. I don't want to get political, but Nick's my guy. Pick Nick for SEC player of the year. Pick Nick. Pick Nick. Because there's never been a candidate like him. I'm Nick Richards, and I approve this message. <laughs> Absolutely terrific. So well yeah. done. I'm sure we'll probably hopefully find yeah. out who was exactly inspired that because it was well, great. Drew Franklin was great in it. PJ Washington cracked me up. I'll Excellent. tell you this. I think they're taking it out of football's playbook because I know they did the whole Josh Allen website for him to be the default Rose Awards right. and he won them all. And then they did something for has there been something an, for Benny. I feel like another campaign Max is sticking Duffy. out. Oh, maybe it was Max Benny Duffy Snow, too, yeah. even. Max Duffy, they had a campaign site going for the Ray Guy Award, which he won. And yeah, they did do a Benny site. I forget what they were. Maybe it was, I don't know what it was, what they were trying to get him to win. I, I think he, it must have been an All-American, which I believe he was. He, uh, not a consensus, but in some places. So yeah, but no, that's so well done. And yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. Just perfect timing, too, with uh, the Democratic yeah. debate being on last night and that coming out today. Everyone's kind of got 
politics in America on their mind. So I'm sure most people have seen it, but if you haven't looked that up, you know, it's got all the American flags. And <laughs> I think I might even have seen a bald eagle in it. I'm not sure about that, but good We're, stuff. Uh, um, I want to recap LSU because that was a monster yeah. winner. And, and I definitely want to get back a little bit to the debate of Emmanuel Quickly or Nick Richards or whoever for SEC Player of the Year. But real quick, let's go ahead and take a sponsor break. All right, and we're back. Cats by 90 podcast, Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon. So first off, Aaron, I mean, just a monumental win down in Baton Rouge on Tuesday. Late game, kind of a primetime look. Everybody had this one circled before the season started. They knew it would be good. LSU's got all these athletes they're bringing in with Will Wade and um, traveling down there specifically late in conference play. So it lived up to it, too. Kentucky really stormed out. The second half was impressive and then kind of was choking up a little bit late. But overall, the game had a little bit of everything, and that's a that's a huge win. That was a big one for them, and they're in the driver's seat now for the SEC regular season yeah, championship. Yeah, two-game lead. I mean, they got some help last night, obviously, with Auburn following Georgia. But, yeah, it was a – I think, like you said, it was a game that everyone circled before the year um, as the year was kind of unfolding with how uh, Kentucky and LSU were kind of sizing up. LSU was ahead for a while. Um, they've kind of fallen off the last five games or so, but yeah, just a super impressive win. Uh, especially the first half, LSU didn't play well, but Kentucky's shooting was kind of just where they left off in the old Miss game. I mean, they, I want to say they were one for eight from three in the first half and Emmanuel Quickly's first shot was an airballed three. So I know Calipari kind of had the interview halftime where he's saying, I'm skipping around. I'm jumping up and down, excited to be going into halftime up one. And he was on to something because they started the second half seven for seven. And I think really the difference maker in the, uh, this game was Nate Sestina because, I mean, not only did he shoot the ball great finally, because it was his first, they said it like 80 million times, so I can't forget, but it was the first three-pointer he hit the entire month. And then he went on and, what, he hit three of them? So. Man, I said, dude, just, just to get in there, I said that game – in Vegas, that last game against Ohio State was going to be fool's yeah. goal for this year. And I don't know if it was immediately after that, but, man, it sure did slump. And it, I guess not that he's shooting bad volume threes, but not definitely haven't seen that that type of shooting performance. But, dude, LSU just has some major athletes, man, yeah. the whole game. And I, we, I got a chance to see them play a lot Yeah, we saw them at the tournament. Between, yeah, we saw, they came to Rupp Arena, SEC tournament, and then they were in Jacksonville. And a lot of those guys are still on the team. And, boy, man, they just have some really, really good athletes. So, Impressive win for Kentucky. It really was. That was one that I think if they slipped up and, you know, they lost that game by three, I, I, I'm not sure anybody would be really frowning upon them. So 21-5, and five, driver's seat for the SEC um, regular season championship. Auburn loses again last night to help Kentucky out. Last five games starting with Florida on Saturday. But I really like Kentucky's chances there. And I, I think that um, – I, I don't see any reason to think that they're not going to, you know – get that monkey off their back over the last few seasons, bring an SEC tournament championship home potentially, but definitely the regular season's coming. Yeah, I definitely think they're in, I, I think it would be a surprise if it went any other way at this point. What I'll say is this, I think that it's more impressive, and it, we're probably going to hear this debate a billion times, especially because it's the type of year where whoever wins the SEC, whether it's UK or somehow someone else doesn't win the SEC tournament, and that's not a knock on UK or anyone else, but 
I just think winning the regular season is such a big deal in comparison to winning the tournament because with the regular season, you're facing everybody. You're facing uh, a handful of teams twice, and in UK's case, you're playing Tennessee, a pretty good team twice. You're playing a really good Auburn team twice. You're playing a really good Florida team twice. Um, then, I mean, obviously George and Vandy having down years, but still, you're playing them twice. It's not, it's hard to be anybody twice. Um, so, uh, to me, just the fact that, like I said, you play everybody, you play some teams twice, you play a lot of games, uh, not on a neutral court, but away, true road games, um, it's such a big deal where the tournament, it kind of, it's like the seeding's pretty much done at that point. It really is more can a team that's on the bubble go out and win the conference tournament to lock themselves a spot, or can a team like that's really on the bubble at least at the least you know go out there and win, you know get into the second semifinals quarter? No, I wouldn't say quarters. More like the semifinals, even the championship game. So to me, I think if they can go out there and finish four and one, five and zero, oh, clinch this the thing, it, it's a huge deal and. Uh, the SEC tournament, uh, I don't even care if they win one game. I care that people are healthy because P.J. Washington got hurt in that SEC quarterfinal last year and, you know, easily could have lost that Wofford game without him, almost did. And, you know, they just – and he played so well against Houston and Auburn, but you have to wonder, could he have even played even better if he wasn't semi-limited by that uh, injury he was dealing with? Good point. It really is a good point. But now it begs the question, Aaron. So if Kentucky does finish this out, hang on to their two-game lead, win the SEC regular season championship, it's all but certain I would say that one of them will be SEC player of the year or a member yeah. on Kentucky's team, I mean. So who's it going to be, man? Quickly, Richard. So Quickly's worked his averages all the way up to 15 points per game, four rebounds. He's shooting almost wow. 40% from three, 91% from the – Free throw line. What's his field goal percentage? 40% from the field. So just absolutely oh. balling out. Playing the um the most minutes or let's see, third most minutes. Uh, close to second most minutes, 32 and a half a game. And just balling out, man. And then Nick Richards, obviously, his body of work is there. It's maybe a little more quiet than Emmanuel quickly as of late. But 14 and a half points a game, 8.1 rebounds. Uh, so he's got 60 blocks on the year. Just, I mean, it, it's going to be close, man. I don't know. But I think quickly, we talked about this on, on Big Blue Insider this week, but if, if quickly turns it up these last five and I think really just maintains what he's been doing, especially if he has, you know, a big, you know, monster statement game, <laughs> he's going to be right there and it's going to be really interesting. And how cool would it be to see Emmanuel quickly or Nick Richards, but really quickly win the SEC Player of the Year. I mean, even three weeks ago, no one thought that was <laughs> – in the realm of yeah, I think that would be that'd be something special. Um, either way, but especially like you said, quickly because it's kind of, I guess you could say, a late season run. But at the same time, you look at the numbers, and ever since SEC plays, a walking double digit machine. I mean, he's scoring ten a game, every game, at least ten, and he's scoring twenty, a lot too. So he's just it's really impressive what that kid's doing. But I mean, I guess you'd have to go Nick just because you're looking at you know, the season from really top to – it started for him. I um, want to say – I mean, he had a really strong performance banged up against Michigan State, and then I think it was Eastern Kentucky at a really big stat line. So I just think <clears throat> looking at the full picture, 
Nick probably wins that award, but you can easily, and I would make the argument for quickly. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think externally. I, I was kind of high on Reggie Perry for a while, but I know the team's not doing great. I right now, I'd have to look at his numbers and see where they're at. But other than Perry and the two Kentucky kids, I, I don't, I don't really know of anyone else that would really, you know, make a run for their money. Anthony Edwards hasn't had the type of year. He was, I, I mean, he's still the number one pick, but I don't think he's been like the walking bucket that everyone expected. But Reggie Perry's still 17.4 with nine and that 9.8 rebounds is big. But yeah, it's got to be between one of those two, and I'd lean Nick. Listen to Emmanuel's Quickly's points ever since the Vegas trip. So after the Ohio State game, starting with Louisville. 18, 23, 15, 19, 20, 13, 12, 21, 11, 23, 21, 18, 18, 17, yeah, it's incredible. 21. It's incredible. Damn. He has been – for the college game, man, because, you know, so many times just with the way that there's not as much freedom of movement and these crazy road atmospheres, even the best players in college basketball Look at just Jordan get blanketed, Norwell. you know, every Jordan Norwell so was often. a hell of a player, and he's Right, exactly. Great example. <laughs> and – and, you know, I guess, you know, maybe some of that can, you know, be a tribute fact. Tyrese Maxey's pretty damn good himself. We know Ashton Hagens is, you know, he's one of the better guards in the country when he's playing to his ability. So it helps, I guess, you know, having someone else that can step up and kind of be, you know, that third person that really defenses are keen on. But I know that's going to change now because the kid is balling and good for him. He, he's awesome yeah. to be around, too, because a, a joy, always happy, always in a, a good mood and stuck the course. And, the player development, you know, under this coaching staff just continues to be, you know, they're always doing it a different way, a different circumstance in the same outcome. Yeah, it's I agree. And I think, you know, it's interesting. Quickly is not even on the top 100 for the ESPN uh, in their latest um, draft top 100 big board, whatever. It, it would be really interesting if it stays that way and he becomes a third-year college guy. Can you imagine – him next year playing with you know with the ball in his hand more or even still off the ball and what he could do in a year three but it just what he, just saying with what he's done this year it's still it's just sensational and I think in my book just the numbers you said and given the fact that he's kind of had to carry the load a lot because another point you made Tyrese Maxey and Ashton Hagens who are supposed to be pretty consistent haven't been consistent have they been bad no not at all. I think Maxi, given his upside, stole a lottery pick, and I think that Hagens is went on the best on-ball defender in the league, in the nation. But that guy is really—he's been the difference maker for them. You take quickly off this roster, uh, given the struggles Kentucky was having, you know, pre-conference play and just as a whole this year. Where are they at? Are they even a tournament team? So I think that um, he deserves a ton of credit and. I know Nick does too. It's really tough, but the fact that it seems like the award's coming back to Lexington should be good enough. Yeah, so the next five, that's it. You yeah. know, the season's already gone, but Florida's coming to town Saturday. I Me think too. Kentucky's going to handle the Gators. I really do. It is a tough matchup, though. I think their best player, <laughs> probably Keontae Johnson, kind of one of those super athletic fours. So I think he's going to be um, – Tough to handle for like EJ and Nate Sestina specifically, but overall, I don't think Florida has the firepower. They're like 17 and nine. They don't do anything extremely well. Playing better as of late, but good as chance to see Kerry Blackshear playing <laughs> referee. Yeah, after all. I'd like them to win this one. 
uh, this weekend for sure, too. Florida's surging right now, though, four to five. Uh, yeah, the Kerry Blackshear revenge game, I guess you could say. But, um, yeah, we were actually, we had this conversation the other night, and I see UK going four and one the rest of the way with that loss being the second game with Florida, only because by then the SEC's wrapped up. You know, they're going to be, they're, Florida's still, you know, they're playing a lot better, but they got to secure their berth in the NCAA tournament, which they'll probably get because of their name, but. They got to secure it and maybe get up to like an eight seat or so. They probably that's probably as high they're going to go at this point. So I'd say they lose that one, but otherwise, I think Kentucky's in really good shape, and I absolutely think they win at home. I don't. I think it'd be foolish to think it'll be a blowout or anything like that because Kentucky doesn't know how to blow people out. <laughs> but uh, I definitely think they win. Yeah, they really have. And I had a good point today, too, Aaron. I was thinking I'll give myself credit for the good point there. But Kentucky has not got their ass kicked once this season. Not once. Yeah, they lost to Evansville. They were bad. But five losses this year by combined 24 points. And seven of those um, or nine of those points came at Auburn when it was just like a late free throw shooting, you know, fouling, trying to extend the game. So they have shown up for every game. And I didn't, I didn't look, I was trying to look into this. But in the, in the Calipari era, besides his elite teams, there's going to be numerous examples of his team just getting blown out, just having uh, an yeah. off night on the road or whatever, and end up losing a game, you oh, know, well, by 15, about, 20 yeah. points that, you know, going in, they probably should have won. So yeah, I think that's telling. How many did they telling. lose to Duke by last year? 50? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they always say that, oh, you know, good teams that can win the national championship blow teams out. They extend those leads. They blow bad teams out. But it's like I've never heard that reverse argument as far as Kentucky's yeah. not gotten blown out. Nobody's been able to handle them. So I think that's yeah. really, you know, something nobody's really talked about. And there's so many, just a few bounces of the ball that would change. You know, they could be sitting with two losses right now or whatever. So they can keep putting this thing together. I think we could get removed from the emotions of the season and really think that that, you know, they had a pretty productive year. Another part of it, too, Aaron, is I just don't – they don't show up well on most of these computer it's rankings, which I don't get into though. much, it's like the, for the net specifically. But – so maybe that's skewing it all the way, but I think they worked up to like 22 in the net today yeah, or something like that, but I don't care <laughs> you gotta about take that. The, for that, you've got to take the Evansville and the Utah loss. Those are the two that killed them. I'd say you were making all the points. I agree. I think the, the worst two games they played were obviously Evansville, which still ended up being a three-point game. And Utah, I think Utah from top to bottom was the worst they played all year. Uh, they were, I mean, I know they fought, they clawed back toward the end of that game, maybe tied it, but they were down like 15 at one point, whatever it was. So that's probably the game. But like you said, yeah, they haven't had that blowout loss where they've lost just convincingly from the get go, like the Duke game last year. Uh, I mean, they had a couple of those and the Kevin Knox team had feels like eight of those type of games. So really impressive that they've been in every game. They've shown up for nearly every game. And um, that should bode well, like you said, in the tournament, because I don't think they're going to view Wayne, whoever, whoever we were talking about, Detroit Mercy, or that's just they're not going to make the tournament. But, yeah, just an example. They're not going to view them as a 14 seed. They're going to view them as a tournament team that you have to get up because it's a big game. I don't think they're going to look them, look at them like Evansville or – Eastern Kentucky. 
Yeah, I think Kentucky's trajectory is going to continue to trend up. And over the next few podcasts, man, we'll really be able to start ironing out some some more um, concrete or educated guesses as far as where they might end up, who they might play. And the SEC tournament um, bracket will start to get set too, which I believe that the number one seed always plays that um, like one yeah. o'clock um, Eastern time game on Friday, like the first game. So it'll be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But I'm looking forward to it, man. I will see yeah. you on Saturday. We can wrap this thing up. Um, and I will, I guess, uh, what time we got? 6 p.m. Six, only three right? games at Rupp left this year. How about that? I know, man. It's it's flown by. Well, I'm going to be speeding there after uh, there Calvin's go. birthday party. So it's at 1, so I should have plenty of time. And um, good stuff, man. I enjoyed it tonight, and I will yes, uh, catch you on Saturday. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon99 and at bigbluedrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.